Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Safs. And we're going to take you away from the play. For this week's Women's Hockey Monday, we caught up with Katia Klima-Hydra. Uh, Katia played one season with Modo in Sweden, uh, the Swedish Elite Hockey League. Yeah, and before that, she was a member of Les Canadiens de Montréal of the defunct Canadian Women's Hockey League and was a Clarkson Cup champion in 2017. And I I got, I only got to the team like the year after and I was like, man, I wish I was there for the championship run. But uh, she also had an illustrious career with uh, McGill. I mean, she, Mm -hmm. like, if you go look at her stats, it's freaking insane. And I'm pretty sure she won a ton of championships there, too. Yeah. Yeah. And currently, she is the head coach of Le Triolet hockey team in Sherbrooke, Quebec. I actually think I probably played against Katia when I was at St. Lawrence at one point because we always had our exhibition game against Miguel. Okay, very good. I must say, though, we we, we always won. (laughs) We always won. Good job, Mel. (laughs) Um, She's also, you know, coaching um, with the Bishop Gators and heavily involved there. She leads the newly founded Women's Hockey Institute based in Sherbrooke, Quebec. And on top of that, she is also founder of Hydra Hockey. She does it all, honestly. Like, hockey day and night. I love it. This was such a fun episode to record. It was a while ago. We did this in the summer. It was, like, probably one of the first episodes we ever recorded. For sure. But- and unfortunately, though, with the pandemic situation, it's still, like, much of the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was fun. We got to learn more about her career and whatnot and 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 how things went down in Sweden. I mean, I don't know much about... Uh, hockey and women's hockey in Sweden so that no. was really fun and I think it's like a learning opportunity for people who might want to go like uh, play abroad yeah. and I mean Katya is just like such a sweetheart and everyone deserves to know more about her story we hope you enjoy this episode I'm very happy you're back because I missed you and yeah, I miss you too. What we're really <laughs> what we're really curious about is what your experience was like playing abroad. I never played abroad, but it's typically something a lot of players do both out of um, youth sports and NCAA. So can you just talk us through your, your decision about playing in Sweden? Yeah, well and, and um, why you chose. Well, given the situation here in the uh, uh, Canada, you know, with the CWHL folding, uh, it's kind of always been like a interest or a dream of mine to go play overseas just to, you know, see another country, uh, see another level of hockey. So it's kind of always been in the cards. And I guess the folding of the CW kind of gave me a, a perfect occasion to say, okay, well, I think it's time. Um, and well, Sweden... <laughs> Of what I heard, you know, I didn't know a lot about the European leagues, but I knew that Sweden was the strongest league. And, you know, to go from uh, the CWHL to a European league, you know, it's not going to be the same kind of caliber. So you try to find the thing that's most uh, even, kind of like the same. And yeah, I heard only good things about Sweden. So I got into contact with some teams and uh, the team... I went for was the moto hockey I knew a few girls that went to play there only good comments uh, super well-known organization uh, they were really nice you know they were really involved in the process of having me go over there uh, you know gave me a step-by-step step pr- procedure making sure everything was okay um, and so yeah that's kind of how the process was um, once over there it's it's not uh, that much different from uh, the the level I was used to. I mean, it's it's not the same as the uh, the caliber we have here, obviously, because the uh, they have ten teams, and there's a huge age difference 
uh, inside the teens. So you have girls that are 16, 17 year old, because uh, oh, wow. that's where they play in Sweden. You know, they have one division underneath mm-hmm. that have most of the 15, 16 year olds. But after that, it's there's two women's divisions. So uh, for that, it was hard a bit for the age difference because you always have those like eight or nine players that are more experienced. A lot of them are imports or national team players on Swedish on the Swedish team, and you know, you have these great experience, but then you kind of have to fill in with other girls that are a lot, they're very good, but they're younger, you know, there's going to be a difference between a 17 year old and a 30 year old. So for that, it was different. But, you know, I was surprised how good the league was. Obviously, there's like a big difference between the teams, you know, we were a a weaker team of the league, because we were a lot younger. But some teams, like Lulio, one of the, well, I thought was the best team, they didn't finish first, but they could have played the here in Canada and probably done really really well it's mostly all Finnish national okay. team players you know so for that it was good you talked about having teammates with such a huge age discrepancy whether it's like 16 year olds or, or 30 year olds could you maybe talk to us a bit more about that adjustment because of course for much of your university career and your and your CWHL career you played with more or less the same teammates with a couple of newcomers every now and then so in terms of chemistry and cohesion, it, it, you know, every year brings on its own challenges, but it's definitely can count on that team chemistry almost always being there. But now you not only are you joining a new team, but there's just such a huge difference in in development with the younger players and the older players, too. Yeah, well, it actually took me a while to realize how big the age gap was. Uh, I got there like a month later than all the other players because I, I was working hockey camps all summer and I couldn't just leave like that. And uh, I get there and the first three weeks, I'm like living a dream. You know, you're you're everyone's so fit there. The, the Swedish girls, I tell you guys, they're like the fittest people I've ever met in my life. They're like the hardest working like cardio oh, yeah? machine. Oh, yeah, they're so fit. <laughs> and they work out all the time. Like their, their trainings over there, it's it's nuts. So like I'm there, I, I'm four weeks behind everyone and it's like a training and a practice every day. It's literally like boot camp and I'm just trying to keep up. But then once like, you know, the rust out and you're kind of getting used to the pace, that's when I started yeah. like talking to some of the girls and obviously there's like a language barrier. So like some of them either like they don't right. like speaking English or they're just young and they're shy because I'm older. And then I started asking around and some of the girls were like, yeah, I, I'm still in high school. I'm, I turned 16 last week. Or like my roommate that <laughs> my my roommate that I, I met that looks older, she's like, oh, I'm 17. I'm like, what? So it took me a while to, to get there. But then once you get there, you're like, okay, like they're a lot younger. And it's more like after a couple months when when it starts getting cold and the sun goes down most of the day, you basically don't really see the sun. And there's not a lot to do. It's hard to like, you know, with here, you know, everyone, everyone's your friend, everyone's in your age group, kind of. So you can hang out, you can, you know, do activities. Yeah. But with them, they're all in school still. They're all in high school. And so it's kind of hard to like relate to them, you know. What would your schedule be like in a week if half your team, let's say, is still in school? Yeah. Do you guys practice at, at night? How many times a week? When do you work out on your own again? I guess like for, for people who don't know or maybe people listening who are interested in playing, like what is your, your kind of day-to-day life there like, as a player? Yeah, well, I, I was kind of lucky over there because, um, you know, most imports we – we get our apartments paid, we get food paid, and we get a little salary. So you don't really need to work. Uh, so you basically mm-hmm. only focus on hockey. You Over there, it's like a practice a day, every day, and it's 60 minutes or 75 minutes on big ice. It's a lot of skating. And uh, you get... It's always Olympic ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's so much <laughs> skating over there. I tell you, every practice, I was like, we only skate. Like, there's no, like... Uh, I'm, I don't know, I miss the big, the smaller ice here because, you know, on smaller ice, you have the puck more, you have, like, yeah, you have to skate, yeah. but, you know, you can, like, use agility more. There, it's, I, I was always skating. Okay. I was always so tired during the games, but <laughs> that's another part of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I have a practice, and then we have a workout. And uh, at the beginning of the year, we started out just doing it on our own. Uh, I was lucky because I had uh, Marion and Laure over there that were part of the Canadian uh, yes, a few years back. I love them. Yeah, and they speak French, so it was perfect for me. You know, I had like these two buddies that Allez already. Les bleus. <laughs> Allez les bleus! Allez les bleus! 
And uh, <laughs> so we worked out together most of the times. But then they kind of had to change because okay. uh, the younger girls weren't really working out. So we started doing uh, team workouts. And the workouts are hard too, you know? Like okay. they, well, they made us work out four or five times a week. And sometimes it's like a, the day before a game or a, two days before a game and you're lifting heavy, oh, heavy shit. things. Okay. And like, oh yeah, it was. Uh, it, but I liked it but at the same time on game days at the beginning like when you're not used to it I was like man my legs are really heavy you know and especially on big ice you need to have yeah. like fresh legs so he had to kind of adapt yeah. during the year because I don't know after a while when <laughs> you're just skating all the time that you can't you know <laughs> go as hard so uh you just got some lead legs there oh, just yeah. lugging bricks on the ice uh, that's what it felt like <laughs> honestly I was I was carrying a piano over there well, it felt like it. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so you have a practice uh, and a, uh, a practice and a workout, and then you have games on the weekends. There's 36 games in, in a season, so it's a lot of hockey, which I loved. But the only thing is yeah. a lot of travel. Uh, Sweden is a small country, okay. but when you go from uh, Olmsjölsvik, where I was, which is like six hours north of uh, Stockholm, and you have to go all the way to Gothenburg. That's a 14-hour bus ride. So, like, on the way there, right. we would always play one game in Stockholm and then drive another six hours to get to Gothenburg. But then after your game on the Sunday, you drive back 14 hours and come back at, like, 7 a.m. in the morning on the Monday. So it, okay. it's I mean, hard. at least you don't have to work Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, luckily, yeah, I didn't I didn't have to. But I, I felt bad for the little girls that had to go to, like, high, to school the next day or – some work, some some went yeah, to university, yeah. so wild. yeah, it, it is kind of wild. So but. It, is that because like it, it's very interesting having that age gap, and I think it's just a testament to how different like the grassroot levels are from in Canada. In Canada, there's like pretty much a, a straightforward path, like kind of you play uh, depending on like the province. Sometimes high school hockey is really the thing you want to play, and then in Quebec, Cégep, and then Collegiate, where, like, in Ontario, it's more you play in uh, the Provincial Women's Hockey League, um, which is it's not affiliated with school, but, like, it's just, like, a club league, and then it's very competitive, and then and then it's college. So I guess in Sweden, just your experiment, experience talking with those girls, is it is it there's, like, youth leagues, and then it's, like, right you're into the pro level? Like, is there college teams there, or is it just – you were saying there's two leagues. So yeah. what is the second one? It's just like a lower level? Like It's, I it's guess. actually really interesting how they do it in Sweden, uh, just in general, hockey-wise. It's not at all like here. You know, here you have uh, your minor hockey, and then when you go to the next level, mm -hmm. it kind of becomes, a, you know, like a, if you're a guy, you're going to go into midget AAA and then junior AAA or, or the Q. So it goes to, you know. Yeah. And girls, it's like you said, you go, you have the the midget, the college or CGEP or whatever, and then you have university and then you go pro. Over there, it's club hockey. So, you know, minor hockey is kind of like here, they have mag, they have all those levels. And then after that, each club is, I don't know, mm -hmm. attributed a region of Sweden and it's private. It's a private club and they basically have to develop their players and the teams. So if your team is good, you're gonna play in the first league. So let's say uh, let's say the, okay. the professional at the professional level, they have the SHL, they have the Alsvenskan, and then they have Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and it goes on and on. So some teams can go from Division Three to to Alsvenskan or even SHL if they want to, if they develop good players and if they sign good players. It's not like it, there's no draft, there's no nothing. Yeah, so I think like the soccer European soccer leagues function like that, right? Yeah. Um, that you basically you could get reconciled to a lower league if you're like in in it's like relegation. relegation. Yeah, relegation. Yeah, not reconciled. Exactly. Relegation. You're right. Yeah, and it's really too bad because Moto, the Moto team, the men's team, they're in Alsvenskan, and they've been a really really like good team their whole history. The uh, Peter Forsberg played there, Naslin, the uh, Victor Hedman, a lot of great players are from there because they have such great development. But in the recent years, they've kind of like fell down a bit because some teams are stealing their players or whatever. And now they're on the in the second league, the Alvinskin. Okay. And this year, they invested so much money, went and got so many great players. The Norlander, the Habs prospect, he's amazing. He plays there. Yeah. And uh, they finished first in the league. 
and they were about to play for a um, promotion to the SHL and the coronavirus happened and they, the season stopped. No relegation, no promotion. So now all their great players oh. from this year got signed in the SHL and they're still in the Alvin skin. So they kind of missed their chance oh, because of shit. it. But that's, you know, that's kind of how they work. It's you kind of have a, a gamble. Do you want to be a club that plays for SHL in the big league, or do you have a do you want to have a club that plays in lower level but doesn't cost as much money? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's different over there. But does the same thing happen on the women's side? Because presumably, like the I guess on the men's side is like the more money you invest, the better players you might be able to get, and thus you can move up a league or retain your spot. So on the women's side, like. Um, is it the same process, like, if you invest more money, you could get... And it's not to, like, discount the talent in European leagues, but generally, like, there's a reason there's only so many spots for imports. It's generally these people are, like, have acquired a little bit more skills, and obviously, again, not to discredit European leagues, but I think it's just, like, there's a lot more investment on the grassroots level on North American side. So is it the same that teams can invest more money on certain players to try and move up a league or is it is there less of that because being a women's league generally there's less funding in general it works the same but there's less funding so yes there is a limit on imports but you know you have some clubs uh like uh jew garden which is a huge club in uh, stockholm they have a lot of money and they have a great team uh same thing with uh, lulio up north they're this small small city Mm -hmm. up north in in uh, Sweden and they have a lot of money I think they have donors or whatever okay. and they give I don't know if it's the same finance to the guys and girls but they want to be competitive in both so they invest in both programs and that's why they have like the Yeni Herakoskis the Michelle Carvinen all the great okay, players yeah. go play there because they actually get a like livable salary so yes it, it, it's the same but it's it's very rare that clubs will invest a lot in women's. You know, Modo, we were lucky. Yeah. We did have some money more than other clubs, but, you know, not as much as mm-hmm. we would want. There's always going to be, a, a, it's not inequality, inequity between what the guys get and the girls get. You know, it's yeah. like that, which, which sucks. Yeah. But I feel like the way they work it, that they have a, you know, like just example, Modo, there's a girl's, and there's a women's and men's professional team, and we use the same uh, arena. So we play in the same arena as them. Okay. We use the same gym. Uh, you know, there's a restaurant upstairs. We can you know go eat there. We get food. So we do have perks of being kind of coupled with the guys. But like obviously, sharing. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so sharing. there's a sharing of, of things, of uh, resources, but there's less funding and not a yeah. lot of clubs. So that's why there's less women's teams uh professional because it it takes more money and then there's division one which is underneath kind of like i know one team that was close to moto is called skeletia and they invested a lot of money this year to have good players on their team to go up into the sdhl but because of the corona it was not finished and whatever so Mm -hmm. like yes it's kind of like the men's but obviously not on the same scale and not the same kind of money yeah, I'm not sure how minor hockey right. works, but I kind of like the idea of, you know, having a, the same club for the girls and the guys so that they can share resources. Sure. Which is how yeah, we should it's do good it. Exposure you know? too. Yeah, that's it. You get you get like professionally, you know, you get professional treatment. You know, this year I, I my sticks were paid, my skates were paid, I got equipment what? for everything. Yeah, yeah, everything was. What is that? Yes, yeah, I had to buy some new skates this year. <laughs> That's why I went. They told me uh, you get free skates and free sticks. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play there now. <laughs> it's wild because it's like at the grassroots level, it's like Sweden seems so far behind than maybe in Canada, right? Like yeah. grassroots were like super developed. But then we can't manage to get sort of a professional lifestyle for women where you know there you have a professional like like you said you didn't have to work you know no that's it that's That's what I like the most about it yeah for sure so like for for most people because I think we've we've addressed it on on the podcast before sort of like what are the options post-college for women and you know it's it's been C-dub, N-dub or Europe and like you know Europe is the closest to being a professional because you don't have to work so in general I guess 
Katya, just for like resources wise, what did you get as an import? Like you kind of mentioned apartment. Yeah. What what else? Did you get a little salary? Is is it comparable like to to other teams on on in your league in the same division? Or is there a lot of discrepancy on teams I depending think, on obviously like So I know that some teams get more that I know of for sure. Like some players are paid more, but in general what we got was good, you know. So I yes, I had the apartment paid. Uh, I got a grocery card every month that basically covered my food. Uh, I got a small salary, but you can't really live on it. It's just to, like I used it to travel. There's probably none of it left, and but you know, I at least I sure, which I think everyone does. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I I didn't I didn't make money. But I didn't lose a, a lot. Yes, I paid for some things because you want to travel, you want to buy things, you want to, you know, you want to live while you're there. So yeah, so yeah, that. And then, uh, you know, just just the ice time compared to here, I could go on the ice. So we had our practices, uh, but if the ice is free, I can ask my coach and say, "Hey, can I go on and just shoot?" He's gonna be like, "Yeah, just go on the ice." Uh, we had a shooting tent in the back. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, the gym that was free and just for us and the guys uh what else did we get like equipment wise yeah I got skates uh I I had to bring some of my equipment but we got pants we got helmets we got gloves we got sticks we got skates uh all my meals were paid for on the road so didn't have to like I was gonna say honestly skates and sticks like it's sold it's a lot of money (laughs) when you think about it (laughs) just that seriously I mean the fact that like when I practice I'm like I'm like I'm gonna use my worst stick so I could save my good stick for the game. <laughs> That's it. Or Sometimes like you, you know you have a teammate in the stick. corner. Yeah, or like you're poking in the corner, right, Katya, and you feel someone falling and like normally you would just keep battling. You're like, if you're gonna sit on my stick, you'll break it. Yeah. But now it's like I'm just gonna let this one go because I don't wanna break this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you wanna take a slap <laughs> shot during the warm up or you're like, Oh, maybe not today. You know, I'll keep it for the game if ever it breaks. You're like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't want to practice my one-timers yeah, today. Yeah, not today. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes a big difference oh, yeah. when you can just just the sticks. That's so true. Or just the skates, you know. Skates oh. now are so expensive. It's like almost a grand to have really good skates. So yeah. to just have that is like, okay, I like this. Now, now I'm, I feel like a pro. It's huge. And you, you mentioned the word professional a lot. In this, in, in our what it's been twenty minute conversation, and that's a word that I rarely heard used by any member of CEDA, <laughs> unless you were a national player. But it, yeah. they weren't referring to their CEDA experience most of the time. So on the one hand, I think it's amazing that you were able to have the closest experience to what a professional hockey player should be. Sure, it wasn't perfect. You didn't have all the money in the world but like you said you use it to travel which I think is you know a great use and if you can go for it so with that being said I was wondering can you you know you talked about you talked about all these great aspects of playing in Sweden and 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 I want to get into what the living was like (laughs) later Um, but I read an article uh, written by Mark Staffieri in the women's hockey life where you know you mentioned having a better sense of belonging with the team and the league, given that they've invested yeah. know, they, they, and they have developmental programs and there's so much more proximity and, and a sense of community uh, within the program itself. So could you maybe co- compare and kind of contrast it with what your experience was like in the CWHL for, for those who are maybe less familiar with the conditions that a lot of women's hockey players had to live with in North America in the C-Dub and I yeah. guess what they're fighting for now in the PWHPA. Yeah. Um, well, I'll start, you know, in Sweden, you get there and just the fact that you can get the same resources as the guys, just like a ice time and whatever, just that is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like we said, the equipment is a big thing. Um, but it's funny because you get there and then the Swedish, you know, the girls that are used to it are like, oh, we don't get a lot compared to the guys. And in my head, I'm like, man, you guys never play, played professional in Canada. Like, you don't get sticks. You don't, you get practices. Yeah. So like, I, I'd say the biggest you know, contrast is like the ice time over there. You practice at 4.30, mm-hmm. 5, 5 p.m. Uh, the latest I practiced, I think, was 7. Uh, and you practice every day. Whereas in the CWHL, it's... There's some practices here that started at 8. In the CWHL, it's uh, 
you know, one year I remember we were on the ice at 8.45. That's when our practices started and we finished at 10.15 yeah. at night. And that's just the end of yeah. your practice. But then after that, you're not just playing hockey kind of like in Sweden. In Sweden, I, I could get back at 7 a.m. in the morning and sleep all day and then, you know, re-energize, do my, yeah. my grocery, do go to the spa, whatever I want. Whereas here, it's like you finish at 10.15 at night, but then the next day you're working because you have to have a job if you want to play hockey. So, you know, just yeah, the ice time and, like, the resources you get is a huge, huge thing. And, you know, one thing I appreciated a lot in, in the CWHL is all the volunteers. You know, that's what made the league basically yeah. live for so long was so much volunteer, you know, and fans. That's one thing that's missing yeah. in Sweden. There's not a lot of fans. You know, at our games, you could hear a cricket. There was maybe like 10 people in a 9,000-seat really? arena. So the ambient... Oh, yeah. women's hockey specifically? Well, yes, men's, well, men's is uh, sold out all the time. Especially this year, they were so good. Wow. And it's... Yeah. So, yeah. Like, some, mm -hmm. some teams, they get more. Like, uh, Lulio, they would get like maybe 800 people. But it can't compare to Les Canadiens. Yes, it's a smaller rink, but at least it's filled with 700, 1,000 people. You know, like, there's ambiance, and yeah. they're hardcore fans, too. You know, they're if they're there, it's because they like women's hockey and they like the product. So, I, I mean, that's, sure. that's like, a yeah. positive from here, I guess. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm trying to find what else is... I mean, obviously, you have here in, in the CWHL, you, yes, they tried to give us sticks, but... The sticks they gave us, I think they gave us one per year, and it was not the best quality stick. Uh, yeah. So you got <laughs> one stick, like and, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Money-wise, you didn't really get a salary. You got a stipend, and that wasn't very high. So unless, you know, here in Canada, unless you're a national team player, like you said before, like you can live as a hockey player. But if you're not, and for like maybe uh, the majority of the league in the CWHL, we're all players – that want to be professional hockey players, but we're kind of treated like rec players, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's kind of like a beer league for us. Yeah. Like, the level is great. And, and you know what? Everyone gets mad at Hills. For, everyone gets mad at Hills for saying a beer league, but, like... Well, it kind it, of is. When you really look at is. what we get, we get from it, like, we basically pay to be there because, you know, the gas, the time, the everything we do, we're not making money going there for sure. So... Yeah. Kind no, of. no, and I get, and I think like people under undervalue what I just ice time gives you. Like I always said it. Like I think mentally, I'm a better player now just because I'm more mature yeah. and more disciplined in my play. But like technically, I think I'm way worse than I was in college. Yeah, purely on just lack of like touching the ice touches. You yeah. know, like I agree with that. You know, like. Yeah. You know, we have limited practice times, and you're gonna focus on sort of team, team drills and 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 et cetera. Which you know, as a defenseman or even as a forward, like you're not practicing skills. Like we're practicing regroups and like two yeah. on ones, like more team aspect plays, which is not like it's like the same motion all the time. Like I I could do a regroup so good now, <laughs> but like you know, just basic yeah. like. Yeah. dangles and stuff which I'm probably not gonna do like all the time in the game but it's just the fact that I'm touching the puck right like yeah I always joke with the cacks I'm like sometimes I like forget what the puck feels like <laughs> just because it's like I lack agree of touching I and, agree you know and I think like yeah it, it's not like I don't know I think people like realize don't like realize how important that is and just yeah. not being tired showing up to well the you know bank. what I like, thought difficult you know we, we show up late you know what I, I felt was yeah. difficult was, well, what I thought was the most difficult playing pro here and which I didn't feel over there is you're kind of expected to play at a professional level at a really, really high level. Like, let's be honest, CWHL was, was hard, mm -hmm. you know, like you're mm -hmm. playing against women, the best in the world, but you have yeah. these Team Canada, Team USA players that, you know, can don't need a job because they're paid to do what they do. They train all the time. They get more ice time than us because they have, like, their skills and they have this. And, 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 you know, all to them, they deserve it. They have to develop. But then here we are. Like, you don't have enough national team players to make a league. So you got these guys that practice twice a week but uh, that have to 
you know, that are expected to play at the level of the national team players. So you're expected to train, you're expected to get to the games and be able to play against the best in the league. And if you're do- you're not, you just don't play, you know? So it's kind of hard. You have that constant pressure to perform, but you're not given the resources. So, you know, one thing yeah. I had trouble with is I was always so tired. I would get to games that are so intense, so intense. And, you know, I was lucky because I got to play like top six a lot or like third line. So I got a lot of ice time. And said, I'm then I'm so tired, and then I get on Monday, and I need you know I I coach, so I'm on the ice at 8 a.m. and then I'm on the ice till 9 p.m. because I'm all over the place trying to like make money, and then the next day, which I yeah the next day I have to train in between that, and then I have practice late at night, so I'm already tired when I get to practice, but then yeah. you start it all over again. So at the end of the season, I'm no. I'm dead tired. But then you have all this pressure, you know, from the coaches, from yeah. the other players, like you need to perform, you need to be at this high level, which I love, you know, I want to be at the highest level, but it's just like, yeah. give me the tools, you know, I want to, I want to be put on the same kind of like, the yeah. same level as the others, you know, you want me to play at this level, but you're giving me this much right now, you know, so it's a lot of pressure I found and it's hard on you, you know. I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is how much performance relies on rest and recovery as well. And I saw you yeah. going with all your jobs. I remember every now and then I'd have an interview request and I would think of you and I was like, nope, I know she's way too busy for this. <laughs> I'll ask her. <laughs> we'll see if she says yes, but we'll move on. But, yeah. you know, so there's not much time to take care of yourself in those moments either. So I'm hoping that when you were in Sweden, you got more time to take care of your body and, and your mind as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the big difference. I almost had too much time. You know, I'm used to going 100 miles an hour all the time. And then I, <laughs> I get there and I only have a practice and a, and a workout. And I'm like, okay, what do I do the rest of the day, you know? So that was actually a kind of a problem. The yeah. first two, three months, I loved it. I was like, wow, I feel good. You know, you get used to the, the country, you, get, you, you meet people, you go explore. But then, you know, you're living in this small, small town by the ocean, uh, far mm-hmm. away from every everything and there's not much to do and you're like okay what can I do now so <laughs> yeah that was kind of like the only downside to it <laughs> but I think I think people people like sometimes forget or don't realize that there's such a duality to being a professional in like one of the North American leagues uh, like mainly the C-Dub at the time and now the PDUB just because of the concentration of national players but it's like and I found personally, Katia, like, um, and I don't think I've ever voiced this, but it takes a lot of, like, emotional stability to yeah. show up all the time. I because, totally like, agree. Because it's so easy at the end of the day to be, like, and, like, you know, like, we all want the same thing because, like, like we all love that the national players get to focus on on their sport because you know they're the one of the stepping stones to where we get to a real professional league you know what I mean like yeah but like it takes a lot out of you sometimes to be like oh you're tired yeah you know what I mean like (laughs) you're tired today do you know the freaking month I've had yeah (laughs) that's it so so I think it takes a lot of emotion and like and then for me personally it's just like always reminding myself that like I'm thankful that they get to do what they do because like the more that they get to do that like the more that we're going to bring more people to being able to do that and like really like bringing up a, a truly professional league in North America but it takes a lot of like but on their part too you know what I mean like yeah. we're speaking from our experience but I know like we know our teammates who are national team players who who like praise us or like you know what yeah. like thank you for showing up like you know what I mean like I know that they feel it too you know what I mean and like I always try and remind them like you don't need to feel bad for living the like the life you live like you earned it you know what I mean and I'm happy for you it's just like sometimes I think it takes a lot of emotional um I guess I don't know what what the word emotional availability right it's yeah Yeah, you know to recognize that in your teammates and like in other professional leagues they don't have that they're all living the same Mm -hmm. experience yeah it's like you want you want to get more ice time practice more it's like for us like I want to get more ice time I literally have no more time that's it like that's it (laughs) you know or or it's like I don't have more time but also I'm not about to pay like a thousand dollars to get my own ice time at this point you know what I mean yeah oh no uh, I agree with all that that's for sure yeah, and they're great about it, you know, like, 
props to them. They're always there. They're supportive and everything. It's just, you know, sometimes the situation you're in, you're kind of like, how do how do you want me to do this? I mean, it, creates, it creates a dichotomy. In the- yeah, it yeah. does. And, you know, they're always helping us. Like, we complain about sticks, but let's just say half the team is, like, shooting Marie-Philippe Pinay's sticks. Right <laughs> yeah, <now>. that's it. <laughs> that's amazing. No, they're great about it. And speaking just to, like, you kind of mentioned it, like, you almost had too much time. Like, how was it living abroad? Like, how, obviously, it's a very different city than Montreal, but in general, like, you know, you're going to a foreign country, you know, the language is different. Like, how is that experience outside of hockey in general? I was expecting it to be uh, more, uh, the word in French is des paysans. When you go to another kind of when we... Yeah, culture shock. You know, you we went to China and you're like, oh my god. And here I was expecting to go to Sweden. <laughs> yeah. They speak a different language. You know, it's but it's basically another Canada. Like the country looks like us. Oh, it's yeah. like I don't know. They all speak English too. Kind of. They they have to. It's part of their schooling. So you get there and everyone can answer you. Everyone talks to you, and they're really really nice people. But they're also very. Um, introverted you know like they'll be super nice to you if they you know you come and you introduce yourself but they're gonna go do their own thing kind of you know so they're not very social people with outsiders I'm guessing they're very nice you know they 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 were great they were chaleureux they they were there but just to like get us doing something outside of hockey they're not the most social and okay and I think that's just a culture thing they're not like, uh, you know, in Montreal, Montreal okay. I feel like everyone's everyone's friend. and um, Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, so like, Come here, I'm going to show you all the restaurants. That's it, you know, <laughs> you, you, and there's so much to do. I'm used to Montreal. You can you can go to uh, uh, bring your own wine. You can go uh, do an escape room. You know, you have so many activities. You can go for bike rides. Whereas in Sweden, where I was, I'm like in this tiny, tiny little city. It's beautiful, but it's all about hockey, you know. And you get there at 8 p.m., yeah. it's the ghost town. Everything's closed. Like, there's nothing open. There's two bars in the city, and they're closed on New Year's. <laughs> they closed it, like, before midnight. I was like, oh, what no. is this? Yeah, so it's definitely not the the, the same cultural or, like, social li- lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, I liked it for okay. the first, like, two, three months. It was good. Like, I could focus on hockey. I was exploring, and then it kind of got and mon- monotonous monotonous yeah like monotonous. uh kind of not always like the same thing and then after a while you're like okay like i'm gonna go for a walk okay i'm gonna go for a coffee the, over there they have <laughs> they have fika so like fika is kind of you go for a coffee every day you take a, a break for yourself and you have a little pastry with it everyone goes for fika all the time it's kind of like a coffee break so Amazing. yeah it was really cool sounds my, like my life <laughs> yeah that, oh you would love that we we need to bring it to to Quebec. <laughs> we need to make it a thing. If it's yeah, we go. Let let's do fika. Exactly. Well, honestly, we can just name going to coffee shops doing fika because that's basically what we do. Yeah, and they're obviously they're all, all post COVID. Yeah, that's it. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. <laughs> no, but they're all about coffee over there. So that's one thing you have to do. But then after a while, you're kind of like. So it kind of got hard after a while. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, it, it kind of gets lonely. Yes, I had the two French girls, and I had uh, one of my roommates was a, a Canadian, but everyone's kind of younger. A lot of us, like there's yeah. like five of us maybe that are over the age of 26. So it kind of like, okay. after a while, you're like, okay, okay, like who do, what do I do? Who do I, you know, who do I talk to? And especially during uh, Christmas, it's like, you can't go back home because our schedule was nuts. We had games all the time. We only had like three days off for Christmas. So you don't have time to come back home. So you kind of get yeah, homesick, you know. So for that, that was the only downside. Well, yeah. But I think that's like with any new city. Like even when I first moved to Montreal, like my first year was tough because you just, you haven't found like your community yet. Like yeah. you have, you know, your friends, you're starting to like get to know. But I think it's just like with any new city, it kind of takes a little bit of time. Like yeah. for me, like I, I loved my first year in Montreal, but still after a while, I wasn't used to like being on my own. And then you st- slowly like build a, a little bit of a community. But yeah, I think it's it's that kind of adjustment is like finding your people and like yeah, and the the thing is the thing is over there there's not a lot like a people you know the city is like maybe like four five thousand people 
and most of them are yeah. Swedish, you know, that don't really socialize and the rest I maybe had like uh, six people on my team that I could like actually be friends with and the rest like I respected them a lot I liked them a lot but they're 17 year olds so I can't really like relate you know yeah really go so far. <laughs> yeah that's it that's it I'm not gonna go say hey let's go for a beer I can't really do that with them <laughs> I think so I don't know I don't know honestly <laughs> Uh, I don't I'll, get card anymore. Yeah. That's, it. That's it. Well, for those uh, for our listeners, you know, Ernskoldsvik, because I looked up how to pronounce this, and I'm pretty sure I still butchered it, but I tried. is a It's a coastal city, as you mentioned, right? And I looked it up. So you said you think that there's a population of five thousand. There's actually thirty two thousand people who live there. Yeah, but it's spread out. It's like this huge place. Like it's in the country. It's in the yeah. mountainside. But yeah. in the city, there's it's like a not a ghost town, but it's like a everyone's there if because of the usine à papier. If the factory right. shuts down, it's like ghost town, yeah. you know. So I was doing a little bit of research, okay, <laughs> and I found a Swedish delicacy that personally I don't think I'll be ever able to try. But maybe you tried it out: fermented herring. Oh my god! No, out? I didn't try it. No, I didn't. Did I wasn't. It? I wasn't able to. But <laughs> yeah, they 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 have a lot of food like that there. They love fish, and they I don't know. It's I didn't I didn't taste it. it didn't smell. It doesn't smell good. Well, but yeah, they the do though. I was watching the guy was like, it smells worse than my shoe. So yeah, that was oh yeah, it smells like decaying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but they they have they oh. make the best uh, like the Swedish meatballs. They make the best. Mm-hmm. And with they love 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 potatoes like they potato yeah. everything so they have like the best mashed mashed potatoes with gravy <laughs> oh my god I could eat that every day I miss them so good I miss that so well, that's why I <laughs> yeah. ask you right now you're back in Quebec and you know what do you take from that that year or so it maybe wasn't a full year but at least a full season living in Sweden as your first time living abroad you know. What kind of lessons did you take? Do you miss it at all? You know, now that you're you're back, I miss some things. You know, I I love food, so I obviously I miss the food. I miss the <laughs> buffet, like breakfast buffets. They have the best. Um, I miss the I miss the professional side to the hockey and like how much they give importance to it. And I met great people, so I miss I miss them. You know, like. They have really, really solid people over there, but I'm so happy to be back. Like when you go away, that's when you realize how much you love home. Just like the culture, the way people are, just the French language, it just yeah. feels good. It's it's it it's normal. It's like who I am, kind of. So yes, I speak English, but it's not a hundred percent me. You know, kind of. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that, but that makes sense. You grow up speaking a language, whatever your first language is. That's the one that's gonna feel like home you the most that's it like everything's so easy in French and it's good to have my friends and family and everything so I do miss a few things I I visited Stockholm and Gothenburg and they're like two of the prettiest cities I've ever been to um and just the way they they they're so environmentally friendly friendly like they're miles and miles and miles ahead of us for that That's mm-hmm. how you know. I miss that a lot. I miss the nature of it, the nature side. It's a really beautiful country. I don't miss how expensive it is, though. It's like the most expensive yeah. place ever. If uh, I'm not mistaken, you were still in Montreal when the CWHL folded and the PWHPA was forming. And then, of course, you moved to Sweden to pursue your professional hockey career there. And now you're back. And I, I'm sure you were in touch with Mel and, and other former Canadiens players, seeing what's up with them. I'm curious to know, you know, as someone who's on the outside of the association, you know, what is your perspective on it and, and the movement that's been happening in North America? Um, I, I think if I was still, if I still played here I would be with the PWHPA um not not because I have anything against the NWHL it's just I feel like the NWHL is kind of like 
a similar situation to what we had in the CWHL where, yes, there's a league, but we're never going to get paid more. We're not not ever going to be actual professional athletes that can live off our sport and make it a profession. Um, so, like, I know the NWHL does have salaries, but I can't imagine myself moving to the U.S. or to Toronto and living off that salary. You know, like, the cost of living, like, there's, especially having to find a job, moving everything, you can't live off, off of what they're offering you. So... Not that I'm against it. I just feel like it's a it's a place for women to play, but I don't think it's the way to go to get to a fully paid professional league. I feel like the PWHPA kind of fills that gap for the girls that want to change things and build something new. Obviously, I don't think it's the best situation because I feel like right now you're a lot of girls are retiring because I don't know it's. It's not everyone that can play in the PWHPA or there's not a lot of games. So you're losing a lot of players to retirement and you're kind of like losing that competitive uh, aspect to the game. You know, there's there's no cup at the end. There's no playoffs. There's there's no actual competition. It's just a showcase of women's hockey, which is viable for a while, but it's not stimulating enough, you know. So I would find it hard. Like, personally, I would find it hard. I need an end goal. I need an end goal. I need something to strive for, you know? Like, I can't just play hockey. Well, I could play hockey just for fun, but for me, it would just be after a while, like, why am I still working out? You know, it's just for fun. You know, do I need to wake up earlier at 6 a.m. and go to the gym? Or, like, if it's competitive, it's great. But, you know, right now, I feel like it's a good uh, fill-in. But obviously, we need we need something we need something better, and hopefully that's that's what's going to come out of it. But you know, again, it's so much uncertainty right now. So yeah, yeah, no, that's about a, it. It's a crazy time. It's a crazy time for for everyone, and especially for for women's hockey. And it's something that Mel and I discuss regularly about what's what's next, right? And you know, you you talked about having that competitive edge and kind of losing it because you don't have a trophy to be competing for. And I remember uh, Caroline Ouellette in one of her interviews, it was like a post-game interview when uh, the PWHPA Montreal team uh, was playing at Place Bell. And she just talked about, and, and at that point we were in December. So we're maybe like, what, halfway through the, the showcases, I believe, in, in the PWHPA. In no way was that game part of their, their showcase, but she, she talked about how the, like it's hard to keep the players motivated, you know, not striving for that Clarkson mm -hmm, yeah. Cup when you're in the CWHL. You know, what are you striving for? You're striving for something so much bigger, but it's also kind of like a concept right now, and it's not tangible. Yeah. So, Mel, I mean, maybe you can chime in. It wasn't a question. It was more commenting on, on what you said, Katia. No, right? and, and it's true, Katia. Like, you know, it, it was difficult last year last year but I think like I'd spoke a couple interviews it was like it was difficult but it was it was new in the sense that like sometimes uh the teams were like really mixed so sometimes it was it was kind of fun to play with players you had played against for a long time and then kind of fun playing against uh players you typically play with right like I just said like the one time I played against LaCasse and LaCasse was just like standing on her head like driving <laughs> freaking nuts I'm like why is she so bad yeah. and I was like shit I appreciate her being on my team now yeah <laughs> but um and I, and I think like last year what kind of held us together was the fact that it was like hey you know we're fighting for something like and it was kind of every showcase was kind of fun in the sense that like with such little time it was amazing to see what flourished from sort of the ashes of the C-Dub mm -hmm. but I think like I also like can attest like I miss that competitive edge and also like you know there's not going to be a place for everyone this year like we're we're moving towards uh stricter regions in the sense like Montreal will always be team Montreal which I think is going to help with that competitive thing because now we're gonna, every showcase like you know it's going to be the same team and I think it's going to bring build more of that cohesion within a team. And even though there won't be a cup, it's like every time we're probably going to meet the, let's say, the Toronto PWHPA team. I mean, 
if we're being honest, a lot of it is like the remnants of like the Fury or Markham. Yeah. So there's still sort of like that historical competitiveness. So I think that's going to change the dynamics this year. I mean, obviously, we don't really know what's going to happen with this pandemic, but I think we're going to have a little bit more of that competitive edge. But having stricter teams, it means the rosters are going to be really fixed. So, you know, we might not have a home league. I don't even know if I'll make it, but you know what I mean? It's, I think like, everyone still has that mentality and, and the same objective of kind of trampolining the PWHPA into like a really, a truly professional league. Some, you know, at the beginning, at the very least, something like in Europe, you know what I mean, Katia? Yeah. Like, so I just don't want to work. Like, I just want to be able to have ice every day, play hockey, go to the gym. And, you know, that would be, and, you know, if that has to be paired, that would be the life, you know? So, and I, you know, I think personally, I really like resonated with what you said, where the end up is just, it's too much like the C-dub. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's like, we've tried this, you know? Yeah. I want to try something new. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's, it's really good intentions. The commissioner, she has like a, a, a she wanted to be sustainable and everything. It's just the way it's been done. It hasn't panned out that way. So you need something else, another plan. You know, you have to kind of change the structure because it's not working right now, unfortunately. And, and the thing, too, is, like, what I come to realize over the last six months here, it's, like, oh, my God, like, because, you know, you have, like, Twitter blowing up being, like, N-Dub versus P-Dub, and, like, I don't feel that. Like, I don't feel, like, me versus them. We all just want to fucking play exactly. hockey and be paid for it. Like, why do we need to – why can there only be one? There's, like, a thousand men's <laughs> leagues. Yeah. <laughs> they have endless opportunity to play. So. And it gives more more places to play for girls. Yeah. Like, more, more girls are playing pro right now because of it. So I don't see it as a bad thing. I just yeah. see it as the PWHPA just going for something bigger. And, I mean – I think yeah. everyone's not everyone's happy. Yeah, it, there is kind of a war right now on Twitter. And I also wanted to say, Mel, you're going to make the team. Don't worry. I I, yeah, I have same. faith in you. I was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even no. worried. Me, me, LaForte, and Cax are like working it hard. We're like, we got to beat the next <laughs> following you on Instagram. <laughs> we can see the work that you're putting in. It's amazing. Yeah. You're going to be a beast. You, got, you three are going to be beast. <laughs> Uh, bless Manu. Good old Manu. But Katya, uh, uh, I feel like every podcast Safia and I end with our guests, we're like, shit, this could be like we're a just gonna make <laughs> with the same people. We're and it'll be the same like yeah, ten people. Have... No one will hear from anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Well, you know, I think maybe we might have to because, like, uh, Katya, you're starting to coach at uh, high school. Mm -hmm. And I would be really interested in knowing sort of your experience as a coach. You know, I, I know you've coached a bunch. Like, your coaching experience runs deep mm -hmm. at this point. Um, bless the C-Dub for having to make me get a job. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. <laughs> building, building my skill set. <laughs> my good resume now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But it would be great to, to speak to that experience because, like, coaching is, is so different than playing and, like, yeah. I mean, high school, high school girls. I know. <laughs> Not to stereotype. I'm, I'm high excited girls. about it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be hard because I'm used to like working with university players and CJA players that are a, a little older. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm gonna take over the Pee Wee mm -hmm. and Bantam, which go from like 11 to 14, okay. 15, I think. So, okay. uh, different clientele, but I I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in control. That's what I'm most looking forward to. You know, being a head coach uh you know at least you can do you yeah. can go in the vision you want to go you don't have to like kind of follow someone else's so I'm excited for that but it's also going to be a transition yeah. here you know is this the first time you'll be a head coach yeah yeah full time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. first time yeah yeah and it's kind of tra transition year thank you thank you but it also means that I probably won't be playing hockey this year so I, I might play sometime but yeah that's it well I kind of had a yeah. really bad concussion uh, my last year in the C-Dub and then this year that's how my season ended in, in Sweden it took me almost like I, I've been feeling better for about a month so it's lasted from January to like almost six months oh wow that's so horrible. I kind of put that's wild oh, yeah. put it into perspective that you know I, I want to remember my name and be able to live 
without having, you know, issues after a while. Cause it's been a couple I've had and this one, I, it was crazy. You know, like I wasn't the same person. I, I didn't, you know, when you really don't feel good, you don't feel right in yourself, but it never gets better kind of. So yeah. kind of makes you, That's yeah, it kind of makes you, uh, cherish when you feel good and like mm-hmm. cherish what we have when we're healthy yeah. like your health is so yeah, important and I feel like sometimes hockey yeah that's it and sometimes with hockey you're like oh I love hockey it's my passion and everything but after a while it's like okay at what price <laughs> you know so yeah and I think it's like a I'm, I'm so happy that you're you're doing better because I know you you were struggling yeah. for a little yeah. bit and I mean it's 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 really difficult because it's like We've, we've kind of all done it. I mean, I think I've been quite lucky. I don't think I've really gotten that many. I think I've probably had one, to be honest. But, like, we've all seen our teammates. Like, you know you know, they definitely have a concussion. Yeah. You look at them, and then they're like, I'm good, and then they go back out. And, like, I, I, I feel that because, like, I don't think I would be that disciplined to pull myself out either. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck this. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's but, what's hard. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, you just you just never know because it's like for you I think it, you had a lot of incremental steps like your first one wasn't so bad but then every time it's like a little bit worse and you're like I don't know and then I think our bodies are are, are sometimes too good at mm-hmm. forgetting like once you finally get good you're like oh that wasn't so bad yeah. and, you know well we're mean? also our our pain threshold is so like we are so tolerant to pain it's crazy compared to people that have never you know oh my god what we put our bodies through sometimes you know just just stopping hockey for because I couldn't really do anything for four months I was like off 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 and I just started back working out and how my it makes it makes me feel good but at the same time like my body sometimes I'm like oh my god I can't believe I've been doing this every day for the past like 25 years like what have my my body you know you get used to it like I I feel best when I'm sore (laughs) like if I'm not walking and my like legs or my butt's kind of sore I'm like oh I'm so sore today oh yeah I I think it's a mental thing it is like inadequate or like like I was I was lazy I was like if I it's like I have to have this like peripheral Mm -hmm. pain to feel productive and that's definitely and that's because we're always about performance we've been about performance for 20 years so we're like conditioned to it you know like doesn't matter it doesn't really hurt it's you're gonna be better it's making you better you know yeah so yeah Yeah. there's that yeah it's that loss of it's an adjustment and uh, yeah oh it is an adjustment you're gonna have a big adjustment too get to just not playing this year for the first time like not playing I guess that's but I mean being a new head coach like you're gonna be quite busy with that. that's what I yeah that's what I I feel like it's the best transition is kind of like I'm still in hockey yes I'm gonna miss playing but uh, honestly this year the way I've been feeling mm-hmm. like with my head and I also my hip is I don't know I've I'm a small person and I've had to play against big people <laughs> so I've kind of like my body's just like worn yeah. out right now so I I'm telling myself okay if ever I play hockey again I need to feel a hundred percent and I still don't so I kind of tell myself you know what maybe just go into coaching for this year you'll see how you feel after but mm-hmm. at this point I don't even I don't yeah. even feel the need to play kind of you know I'm just like happy with where That's I am good. yeah it's good I mean you've kind of reached this maturity I guess in 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 self-awareness which I think is yeah. good you know because it Oh, it is tough to leave. It's a passion, you know. It's it's fun. Well, I think uh, Quebec's happy to have you back, Katya, <laughs> and I think any team with you as a head coach is is on the right path. So thank, thank you. you so so much for talking to us for an hour that went by really fast. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Katia. Thanks for having me, you guys. I was so I was so like happy, Mel, when you said, "Hey, can you come on the podcast?" I was like, "Oh my god, me? <laughs> I'm interested in that." Okay. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Balado Quebec. You could also find a recording of most of our interviews on YouTube. Yes, that is true. And you know what? You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Away From The Play and on Twitter at Mel underscore and underscore Safs. You can also follow us individually on Twitter at Saps underscore on the go and for myself at Mel the Rock. 
Special thanks to Matsu Brutus for the music and Naimalu for our logo. Give them both a follow on Instagram. We can't wait to see you next week.